Hey, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. We're down on the beach, uh, from balcony to beach. That's um, field to fork, balcony to beach. Well, that's a podcast version. We're talking about change uh, this month, human change, and uh, it's July, uh, so why not? Um, without doubt, change is the single hardest thing to cause in another human being. Uh, and that's because it's really hard to cause it in ourselves too. So uh, today I really wanted to have a chat about changing yourself. Um, and not just who you are, because why would you want to change that? It's beautiful. Changing your reaction to other people, but most importantly, changing your reaction to other people who push a button or changing your reaction to what other people do from an unhealthy response to a healthy one. And I think that's a good place to start because ultimately it's primary uh, to quality of life, but also quality of your work and leadership. So and your home life and your kids. So I guess changing your response to people who or to behavior or to emotions from other people that you don't like. And the objective we usually have is to change them. When somebody uh, is grumpy, we want to make them not grumpy. And when somebody is uh, angry, we want to try and make them not angry. And when somebody is uh, sad, we want to make them happy. And so there is a, an unwritten paradigm running through most of our interaction with other hi human beings is to try to cause another human being to be uh, healthier, happier, um, more friendly, um, and, and, and in a way, that's how we are building our environment, isn't it? Because if you're living in a house and the person you're living with is grumpy, that's a grumpy house. That's, see, you're not immune from the environment you're living in. You actually are the environment you're living in. And so we try to help, uh, cajole, manipulate, or whatever it is, another person to be in a state of mind that makes us happy too. So we, let's say we're at the office and we've got a sour person, we'll say, how do I help that person not be more sour? It's because their sourness affects me. So most of our appetite to help others change is for our own benefit. And so we need to really uh, drill down and, and own that for a start because once you realize that your, your appetite to help other people be happier or friendlier or uh, less grumpy or uh, less stressed is so that your environment becomes better. You realize this, not selfishness of it, but the narcissism of it, that you really are, you're saying it's for their benefit. You want someone to change for their benefit to make them happier because you think happy people are happier 
or kinder people are kinder or friendlier people are more friendly. But really, it's so that you have the environment you want and need for your life or your kid's life or your employee's life or your team's life. So somebody in a team who's sad will infect a whole room full of other people who are not sad and then everybody gets sad because somebody's sad. So you go to that person and say, how can I help you? Uh, I would like to offer a helping hand, which is basically saying change you so that you become less of the thing that I don't like, sad, and more of the thing that I do like, happy. So it's really important. I think really important to bear witness to yourself when you are operating what you would call the normal state of being a human or a leader or a parent or something is that is as much as you want the other person to be happier and friendlier and kinder and support and more positive and all these things what you're really doing is creating the environment you like that is good for you that works for you in your world and makes you happy makes you feel comfortable so if you've got a home where there's a person who's disrupted and always angry and pissed off and raging like a bull at the kids or at themselves or at you or something like that. There's no place to, there's not a good place to live, is it? Because it's, uh, it's aggressive and it's, it's really uh, disrupted and there's no peace and you come home for you want a peaceful home. So you say, how can I help you darling? Because I really want to make you, or how can I help you sweetheart? Or how can I help you love of my life? because I want to make you the happiest person on earth. No, that's a lie. You want to make you the happiest person on earth because you being the happiest person on earth is hanging out with the happiest person on earth. But if you were being honest, maybe you would say, is, is, how another person feels so important to me that it affects how I feel and am I so tied into their mood and emotions and feelings and everything that if they don't feel good I don't feel good and we, we then confront the paradigm don't we? we we confront what is called the normal mass consciousness which is if somebody's sad, you make them happy uh, because it's good for them. But really what you're saying is somebody's sad, you make them happy because it's good for you. Because you don't want to hang around looking at a sad person or you don't want to hang around in a house with an angry person or something like that. So you get some choices here. What, 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 what this conversation today opens up is a bunch of choices. And the bunch of choices is to continue as normal, trying to help them be happy so you get happy and be honest about it, say, well, really, I just don't like living in a house with a grumpy person, so I'm going to do everything I can to make that person not grumpy. That's, uh, that's understandable. That's the mass consciousness. Let's deal with that one first. When you say, I want to make you happy because you're grumpy and hanging out with a grumpy person in a house is not really uh, friendly for anybody, including the kids and me and everyone, that's the normal. So the, when you do make that person who's grumpy happy, you basically tell them something that they really, really wanted to hear. And that is, if ever they need anything, 
They just have to be grumpy. So if they want to manipulate you, if they want to change you, if they want a new carpet or they want a new job or they want a new holiday, all they have to do is be grumpy until you say, oh, you poor thing, what can I do to help? And they say, well, I need a holiday. And you go, oh, shit, is that what it is? Let's go on a holiday. So you hook yourself into a, into a loop. Now, that may be good. That may be what you call your norm, but it isn't normal and it's certainly not healthy because two reasons. One, it never blow, you never realize that there's gonna be blowback from it. When you wanna make somebody uh, change their mood to make them happy and give them what they want, it makes them default to that behavior to cause you to be not who you are. So firstly, there's a blowback, and that is you become corrupted. You're not authentic, because maybe you didn't want to go on that holiday. Maybe you didn't want to do that. And so maybe your, your paradigm is built on the idea that if I make somebody happy by doing something they want, they'll stop being unhappy. But actually, it's the opposite. The more often you reinforce the default, which is if I be sad, uh, even with, with a kid, if I be grumpy, and you give the kid what they want from being grumpy, they learn that being grumpy is a mechanism getting what they want. So they actually don't do less of it, they do more. So that is not change. That is a buying into a uh, infinite loop of uh, Groundhog Day and, and, and one that accelerates and gets worse over years. The second part of this is uh, really important and that is for the individual that you think you're helping by cajoling them out of their uh, grumpy because that person uh, doesn't get to face their grumpy. What they do is they, they, they get to deliver their grumpy to other people who eventually will um, kowtow to it. And so that individual who's being grumpy gets weaker. Now, that will eventually cause them stress because they'll find smaller and smaller and smaller things to be grumpy about uh, and they'll think that that, that is that grumpiness is there is, is true so they don't think oh, i'll just invent something to be grumpy about they start getting grumpy about you know whether the garbage collector made a noise at night and whether the mosquitoes are coming in the window or whether uh the boss at work didn't do what they want or whether the bank didn't do this and next thing you know they're getting grumpy uh, more and more and more more and more things and so they actually end up in a declining state of personal health so I just wanted to put a heads up at the start so that model of uh, fixing others to make you happy change others to please yourself uh, change others to make them happier that model doesn't work and uh, it, it inevitably leads to the breakdown of all relationships that are engaged in it. And it weakens the individual that you are, um, that you're supporting, uh, and it weakens you by ending up being uh, resentful of all the work you put in that ends up being the same old Groundhog Day cycle. The other way to deal with this is a little less friendly, but it certainly is a little more what's called functional. And it goes like this. 
in all interactions with another human being, whether they're love interactions or work interactions, there are two split universes of communication. There is content, in other words, what this is being, what this is all about, and then there's process, how it got delivered. So grumpy is process. What the person's grumpy about is content. If you can't separate these two out, it's going to be a challenge because when we're angry about process, like someone being grumpy or being cold or being uh, angry or loud or soft or quiet, when we're angry about process, we know that's our shit. We know that's our stuff. And we try to change others so that our stuff remains valid. So in other words, if somebody's grumpy, that's process. Now, if we really want to make a change in the world, we change how we perceive process. So internalizing our, our, or taking responsibility for our judgment of process means we change ourselves and we evolve the planet. So we change how we see it. So we say, what's the benefit of grumpy, for example? Well, the benefit of grumpy is that person is uh, aware that they're not happy, they're, they're self-aware, uh, they will be confronted by the, the lack of its, uh, its function, they'll be, um, they'll be uh, energized maybe to, to look at themselves and they'll certainly try to manipulate others using it, but if that doesn't work, it will bounce back on them. So there's some benefits to them being grumpy. And actually, grumpy is funny. If you, if you really do not have a charge on grumpiness, when you meet a grumpy person, they're actually funny. They're, it, it, you can see a humor in another person's grumpiness, so you actually start to giggle a bit. So if you lighten up on the process, if they're unhappy, what's the benefit of unhappiness? Well, unhappiness takes you inside yourself. It takes you into your feelings. It takes you into your... Uh, cause and effect. It takes you into choices and responsibility and takes you into uh, your own truth and it takes you into your pain and takes you into resilience and strength and it, it teaches you, it builds your immune system. So unhappy has benefit, otherwise the universe wouldn't put it on earth. And you want to fix unhappy, that's you trying to a bit play God. So if you can see unhappy in a different way, so that's process. So I really think that the first step in understanding change of human beings is to know what you can't change. And you can't change process. You can only change how you see the process. So if that person's angry, why don't you find the benefit of anger and, and, and deal with anger that you, so you stop judging anger and you stop being reactive to anger and you stop having an issue with anger and therefore you stop trying to fix it and therefore you stop being manipulated by it and therefore it doesn't work anymore and therefore you just sit and go, ha, 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 oh, there's an angry person. I know anger is driving them toward where nature wants them to go. And then they don't become part of a bad environment, become part of a great environment because if anger has a purpose and you can see that, you go, well, why would I not want anger in the house? It's fun. It's funny.
Uh, there's a big rip out there and he's trying to bring all the swimmers back in because it's dragging them down the beach really big time and I'm going out there so I'm glad he told me that before I went. Uh, so the second part of it is content. Now what are they grumpy about? Well the fish defrosted too quick. Okay so hmm, that means it's not going to taste good or susceptible to bacteria right? Yeah. Well, how do we prevent it next time? That's the only question. With content, it's got nothing to do with resolution of what's going on because that's done. You just be creative and find, you know, you order in or you go and get more fish or you do whatever. But if, 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 if you really want to work with content and you want to work in a healthy, productive way, just like you did with with process, if you flip the content, you go, how do we prevent it next time? And if you say those words over and over again, and someone says, oh, I didn't get my homework done. Well, how do you prevent it next time? Instead of beating them up or telling they, the kid that they didn't get their homework done, they're really stupid, and blah, 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 you go, well, that's done. We can't do much about that. How do you prevent it next time? And they go into remedy. They go, oh, I didn't do my homework and therefore I'm going to get punished to school and they're going to get stress, stress, stress. And you go, that's process. And all you do is you say, well, what's the benefit to my child that they're going to get punished at school and they're going to, then they're all stressed and all this stuff. If I leave that alone and go, yeah, and, and actually see the benefit of it inside me, I don't have any need to fix it. So that's process. But the content... Oh, I didn't get my homework done, I didn't get my homework done. Well, how do we prevent that happening next time? And you ask that healthy question. So content leads to improved, um, improved process, but working on reacting to process leads to uh, reaction and unhealthy. And, and the thing is about this conversation today is that we perceive working on process to be change. But working on process, unless you bring it into yourself and evolve because of it and grow because of it and improve because of it, if we work on process and try to fix another person, we are the ultimate narcissist. Because what we're saying is, I want to stay my, I want to keep my reactions the same. I want to keep my perceptions of that quality the same. I want to keep this all the same. So I want to change them to fit. And that is the ultimate measure of narcissism. So altruism, if you really want to consider, you know, fixing child uh, um, slavery and you want to fix uh, uh, infant mortality and you want to fix uh, violence around the world, start inside yourself, pull it back in and you go, actually, if I change my perception of something, I'm the ultimate altruist. That's the greatest donation you can give the world. Non-reaction, ownership, grow, evolve from witnessing somebody else's uh, contaminated process. Content, again, split out the content, say, well, what's giving them the shits? What's driving them sad? What's making them think? And how do you prevent that next time? And if they're not interested in having that conversation. I had a lady uh, call me and she said, oh, just one of my best friends has just been through a terrible uh, event and uh, somebody passed away as a result. They died. How do, I, how do I use your process, Chris, to fix that? 
to deal with that. And I said to them, do you want to not grieve? Do you want to feel like I feel about death? Do you want to go there or do you really want to be part of the community that suffers as a result of that death? And they said, I really want to be part of the community that suffers as a part of that death. I want to be feel like I'm part of a collective mindset which grieves the loss of that person. That's who I want to be. And I said, well, then don't change anything. There's no motive. There's no real reason to change if you, 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 you want to be part of a collective. And so, yeah, because once you, once you change how you see it, you lose touch with the collective, and that can be quite confrontational. All right, so uh, that's been an interesting talk. Um, I'm sure you've been inspired by this. If it brings up something, please, uh, you know my number, you know my uh, email, and you know my website, which is innerwealth.com. Please don't hesitate to be in touch if it's brought up something. And if, it's, and if you're being coached right now and you're part of the coaching uh, team, then please, um, if there's something you want to discuss about this further, don't hesitate. Uh, that's, that's, uh, challenge it. Uh, challenge yourself. Implement it. See what you can do with it. Uh, make some notes. Go back over it. Share it with somebody to have an argument with them about it. So um, I, I don't make a profit from these podcasts. I do them as a contribution to this planet and expanding my uh, reach of influence in the world, which is the, what, how I measure the evolution of my own life. So uh, if anything you can do to share this and have an argument or um, deal with it with somebody else uh, or debate it, um, please do. It's really healthy and I think it con confronting mass consciousness, um, you have to remember that only when people are ready do they learn. And so some people will say this is bullshit, some people will say they don't like it, and that's okay because that's what mass consciousness is. It's basically saying, I'm not ready to learn yet. You have a beautiful day. Uh, though there's a morning fog, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 now, uh, 9 o'clock actually, and there's a, a fog rolling in over Bondi, as dark as night. It's so eerie and spooky. Uh, it's quite astonishing how silent it's become. Can you hear it in the background? I'll be quiet for a minute. Oh, it's ghostly. Have a beautiful day. Bye.